Hello and welcome to The Sunshine House. My name is Zanny Louise and this episode is being recorded on Bundjalung land. I'm a children's book author for those who don't know me and I run The Sunshine House which is a Facebook group where you can come by and join us. Uh, I'm also in the process of building an online course which will be available through my website zannylouise.com very soon I hope. It's quite a lot of work as you might imagine but it's kind of gathering together all of my particular skills and knowledge uh, around various aspects of writing for children and maintaining a publishing career. So if you would like updates about that course, swing by and sign up to my newsletter on my website, zannylouise.com, and it should be released hopefully in the coming weeks. In the meantime, today we are chatting to Dara Reed, who is actually a self-published author, so it's a little bit of a different conversation for me at least. I was curious to hear about Dara's reasons for exploring the self-publishing avenue and some of the things she discovered along the way. She has produced a beautiful book called We Love You Hundreds and Thousands, which is referring in part to her adoption experience. It's a celebration, I think, of that experience. And it's good timing because it is Adoption Awareness Month. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Dara. It might be really interesting and useful for you if you have ever entertained the idea of self-publishing. Hi, Dara. Welcome to the Sunshine House. Hi, Zanny. Thanks for having me. It's great. Uh, A beautiful book arrived in my mail recently called We Love You Hundreds and Thousands. It's delightful uh, visual feast. It's absolutely beautiful. And I've seen it pop up online. Is this your first book, Dara? Yes. Beautiful. um, Yeah, it's something that I thought about for a long, long time, I always wanted to write. And then when I had my first period of maternity leave, this book and this idea came to me. So, yeah. So it's quite a personal story, it seems. It's about uh, adoption. Is that, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's what you'd say the theme is. What uh, inspired this idea or what was the motivation, I guess, for this story? I think one of the main motivations looking back was actually, I think it was around having my child that being adopted myself brought mm. up a lot of emotions for me. Yeah. I've sort of done some research and realised that that's not unusual. I was adopted at birth um, and obviously at an age where you don't really have a lot of opportunity to process some of the emotions that go along with that. So I think um, when I had my first child, um, you know, very, very happy and strong emotions came up but also reflected more um, in an intensive way on my experience of adoption. And it was also through that when I was at, you know, going to libraries and doing rhyme time with my son that I sort of had an eye out for books and felt the adoption books that I could see on shelves weren't, they, some were quite didactic and there weren't many of them. I think I saw one in one library and I really wanted to write a really happy, joyous story um, for kids who are fostered and adopted. I'm sure you'd agree that I think books are a beautiful way to you know, build connection and start conversations and they can also be tools in classrooms. So my hope with writing it was that, you know, it could be used in homes where kids are fostered and adopted um, to share a message with them that they're special and loved, Um, but also potentially in the wider community in classrooms and, yeah, other families so that kids who are fostered and adopted 
feel like there's a wider understanding of their form, of the form their family takes. Well, it's definitely a, a joyous approach and, you know, that comes through both in the content, the story and the illustrations are just so happy and sweet. Uh, so I feel like you've achieved your goal and I think oh. it's <laughs> definitely a very worthy uh, pursuit um, to fill those gaps. And if you're coming from a place of personal experience, of course, you've got that authenticity as well. So this book, uh, you decided to self-publish it, didn't you? What was driving that decision? Well, the very honest answer at first is rejection. Um, <laughs> I did pitch it to some major publishers and I did have some luck for a while, like one major publishing house sat on it for a year or so um, and some others sort of expressed interest. But ultimately I didn't get any yeses in the sort of set period I had in my head. I sort of had set this goal to write a book on maternity leave, which I think looking back was actually crazy. but. Given that I sort of, some of the feedback I got was that the sort of focus or the through line on adoption and foster care and having a main character who was fostered or adopted was seen as a bit niche and not necessarily having a wide market appeal. And I guess for me, the decision, I, I honestly considered just leaving it and not pursuing it. I had a close friend who also happened to be adopted and also happens to be a life coach, <laughs> sort of encouraged me when I thought oh that's a brick wall um I won't I don't really have the time to keep pitching etc um she said well, what about self-publishing and I hadn't really thought about it looking back now it took me quite a while by the time I sort of pitched and then went back to work and then had another period of mat leave it took me quite a while but looking back I think because the story is actually quite personal I didn't realize how personal it was writing it I thought I was sort of writing a book for kids who were fostered and adopted and I was sort of putting love out into the world. But what the whole process has shown me is that a part of it has been a really big transformative process for me to write the book myself and mm. the whole process of putting it into the world has actually been um, quite profound for me. And it's kind of for that reason, looking back, that I actually feel really grateful that I ended up self-publishing because every little decision I could make. And that sort of meant that coming from a background, I'm 42 now, I kind of was brought up in a time where adoption wasn't talked about. So this, the real, the sheer act of telling my story um, and telling it in the way that is my truth and I have ownership over has been a really important part of it. Hmm. And in, I'm sure like you, you would know better than I would in the sort of more professional publishing world I'm sure you might have still have some say but um, it was really excellent for me to be able to make decisions that meant a lot to me like um, the main character has green hair and <laughs> wears heart-shaped sunglasses and she has a yellow teddy bear and that yellow teddy bear actually relates to you know my adoption story mm. um, when I was adopted the day I arrived my parents um, my mum got a phone call saying you know we've got this kid you know, brown hair, etc. And she was like, yes, and? And they said, oh, well, do you want her? Um, and she said, essentially, yes. And they went and got me that day and um, everyone ran around and got things. They couldn't get their hands on a cot. Um, so I slept in an upturned bed. But my aunt went and got a yellow teddy bear that she gave me that day and has stayed with me ever since. So <laughs> the sorts of decisions like having sparkles in there and having the yellow teddy bear and, um just doing it the way I wanted has been really nice and you know just little touches like 
I've been able, I've put in the front a dedication, which was really important to me, to my kids and also to my birth parents and my parents. It's been a kind of special journey. And I've, one, I actually collaborated, the graphic designer who helped me pull it together and shape it up as a book. Mm. Um, He's an old school friend. So, you know, it was a special process doing that with a friend and Mm. yeah, making all those decisions together. Did that graphic designer friend of yours have experience particularly with making books or is this something they learned for this per- purpose? She sort of, she learned it. And really? She's wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's brilliant. Her name is Rachel kaiser mm. Um, She's now doing a lot more of it. She's done a great um, job. She's really great. Um, and, yeah, I think she's a very talented, you know, graphic designer who'd worked in New York and around mm. the world. Um but I think this was her first book. So mm. uh, we did learn a lot of lessons together <laughs> along the way. Some of them, you know, I think going back, we would know what to do and avoid next time. But Is there anything yeah. specific you can talk to? There's little, like, it's little things like finding out, like, you know, to to publish it on a certain um, platform. Uh, Ingram Spark was one of the platforms we used. There's sort of rules, like there's your standard picture book mm-hmm. you know 32 pages but to get a spine in a hardcover mm-hmm. in Ingram Spark is like 42 pages so then uh. you know we thought we had the book and then we're like wow how are we going to get it to 42 pages and yeah some of those sorts of things and well, I'm just trying to think now just just from her point of view I think some of the technical things about how to line it all up and yeah get it up on the system but you know she did it all brilliantly I couldn't have done it (laughs) one of the things when people ask you know well couldn't I just self-publish and I often say well you could but you know there's a lot to sort of to making a book like if you're the author there's just the you're one piece of the puzzle and there's so many other aspects to that uh how did you go about kind of coordinating that were you did you have much knowledge before you started out about the self-publishing process the short answer is no (laughs) (laughs) it was sort of naivety that got me into it I think um as I said I'm glad I did it but I think if I'd known how much work was involved in it um I might have thought twice or waited to a sabbatical or something like that but I think that was my experience with it. I think because I was so naive, it was each step along the way that I learned what I needed to do. And then mm-hmm. I just went and did it. And that's even right to the end, not even like, you know, needing to think about marketing and publicity and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I did I did have someone, I went to a woman called Julie Ponstance, who's based in Melbourne, and she um, sort of specialises in assisting people who want to self-publish. And she was very helpful guiding me through the process oh, that's I, handy yeah it was super handy I think because I was a bit time poor as well everything's out there like if you want to learn you know most things these days you can google it and you can find a youtube video on it yeah um, but if you're sort of time poor and juggling kids or anything like that yeah yeah I, I'd recommend seeking out the assistance of experts yeah my, my experience was it was sort of like managing a big project yeah that you care about quite a lot so <laughs> every decision can start feeling big because you're like oh do I put the strawberry there or do I put the balloon mm. there and, mm. um but yeah if you sort of get a good team of people around you I was lucky enough to work with an excellent illustrator excellent graphic designer and then mm. this self-publishing coach as well um and then yeah so it I really literally takes a village to make a book as you said it does and and your book does look very professional which I think is not 
always necessarily the case if you're trying to do everything on your own without that publishing house behind you. Uh, so how did you go about finding that illustrator? And the other side of that question is, does that illustrator have specific picture book experience? Like, Because they clearly seem to know how to tell a story visually. Yes, I I was pretty lucky. I uh, friends suggested at one point I was considering illustrating it myself, and then I like thought again because I have <laughs> not nearly enough talent. Mm-hmm. And a friend suggested going to Fiverr, which is sort of oh, like an right. online platform. Wow! And I went on that and um, approached this illustrator, and she did have previous experience. She's wow. actually the illustrator of the Dolly Parton book. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. Um, yeah. yeah, she's really, really. She's talented. very talented. But, yeah, so I found her through Fiverr um, and then also I set up my own publishing company and yeah. also went through Fiverr to um, work with a graphic designer to develop the logo as well. Yeah. That's how I found them. Yeah, well, um, and you mentioned that you, you know, had quite a bit to say about, you know, directing the particulars, Yellow Teddy Bear, Where the Balloons Go, etc. So how did you go about briefing your illustrator? Uh, was that quite an intensive process? Basically, I started with Rachel Kaiser-Bluith, who is a friend and the graphic designer. We, like, I mocked up a book myself in terms yep. of, like, how I would see um, it all panning out and what would be on each page. Yeah. And then she sort of threw in some ideas into that process and then we met with the illustrator and talked that through. We basically, and there was a bit of back and forth in terms of making decisions in terms of like skin tone and hair colour. If people see the book, they'll see like we made some interesting decisions about hair (laughs) colour and things like that. It was, yeah, there was a lot of trust there where I sort of did a pretty rough sketch of a concept Mm -hmm. and then the illustrator brought her own style to that. There was um, one or two illustrations where I didn't think it was on the money. It was like, you know, there's a line in there like, that says something like you and your mum look like two peas in a pod and the first version of the pea in a pod looked a little bit odd um so we you know brought a new concept where they're shopping in the grocery yeah. store yeah um and there's peas on the yeah on the aisle Cute. um yeah she worked off my ideas as a base and though usually what came back was completely amazing and we just went through it page by page that way yeah And the other question I have, which I know I would imagine is a big challenge for people setting out on their own, is how do you get your book then, you know, once it's made and it's a beautiful product, how do you get it out into the world? What's your distribution? Well, I uh, set up a, luckily my partner's in IT. Okay. (laughs) Rachel Kaiser-Blue, who I mentioned earlier, she created a website for me. So my 40th birthday, my partner gave me a website. (laughs) romantic (laughs) um so we got a website and linked it up that way there's also the piece where I sort of had to order a print run as well as having it up online on you know through KDP and through Spark the interesting thing for me with this process was when I came to sort of needing to publicize the book Mm -hmm. I went to media outlets I realized that the story wasn't the book the story was me and my own adoption story when those, you know, first requests came in to, you know, actually do my own piece and share my own experience, it was quite confronting. Um, but actually it's been one of the most powerful parts of the process for me, oh. like reflecting on my own experience and I sort of, I don't know what you call them, but they're sort of 
from your own lived experience, sharing my actual story and linking it into the book. It was just the other day, actually, that I was sitting out the back with family talking and realising that in a way that part of the process, writing my own story up, was a form of sort of narrative therapy where Mm. I kind of, I would be trying to, for example, share a memory where I remember going over to meet my birth mum in New Zealand when I was 20 and go on to meet my birth father and I walked out in the airport and she wasn't standing there and I can remember feeling like I was floating above myself looking down and it was through sort of trying to articulate that in a piece that Mm. I realised actually, oh, I was dissociating. That was a (laughs) fairly intense moment. Basically, I've just had to chip away at that part of it because of COVID and everything. I'm lucky enough to have some good friends who work in the media industry and I had some good contacts. But I got to the point at the end of the book where, to be honest, the bills were starting to add up a little and I kind of just had to make a call that I wouldn't pay a PR agent or someone like that. So I've been chipping away at it. For me, um, it's Adoption Awareness Month now. So that's sort of been my hook last year and this year. And basically just treat, I'm sort of treating it as an ongoing process rather than sort of one big massive launch. I did a soft launch and I did Mm -hmm. a hard hard launch at um, Glee Books Mm. a couple of weeks ago, which is really exciting and a bit Mm. of a dream come true. And I just kind of will take every opportunity I get. Mm. Just went down to Canberra this weekend and did a school visit and that was really exciting. There was um, someone I have met through writing the book, her son actually, his adoption went through the Supreme Court um, last Friday and Mm. then I read it to his school, the junior school, and it was really opportunity so I'm just sort of taking every opportunity that comes my way and fitting it in around family and work Mm, yeah it's tricky to do that (laughs) juggle have you had you have you had good support from the bookshops um obviously Glebe books which is where I discovered your book through uh you've been uh have you been able to sort of find those pathways into bookshops they have. Some of the independent bookstores have been really, really supportive. And right. I think every little thing I do, someone hears about it. And, and I've also got friends and family out there. Yeah. <laughs> places and then I get requests and people become interested. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, like you say, it takes a village <laughs> for, exactly. to raise to raise a book. Um, and clearly you have a very supportive village between your friends and your husband yeah. and your various networks. Um, yeah. So congratulations for pulling off all that on your own. I only do the one little bit of being the author. You have taken you on it. Very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But you've taken on all aspects of the project. So I know there are listeners out there who have, you know, entertained this idea of, you know, well, what if I did self-publish and what would be involved? So I'm sure they're really interested to hear your experiences. So thank you for sharing them so generously. Thanks for the opportunity to share. Mm. Well, best of luck for the book and hope it gets lots of hundreds and thousands sprinkled all over it. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you for listening to the Sunshine House podcast. This episode was recorded on Bundjalung land in northern New South Wales and was produced by Jen Pitch, virtual creatrix. The music was written by Gregor Hutchka and produced by Brett Canning. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating or a review on your favourite podcast platform. This helps the podcast find new listeners. 
If you're a children's book creator, join us at the Sunshine House Facebook group, a warm and fuzzy place to feel supported and inspired. I'm in the process of building an online course for kids book creators and aspiring authors. If you're interested to know more, please subscribe to the newsletter on my website and I'll be sure to keep you updated. Visit www.zannylouise.com. I'd also love to shine a light on the amazing Room to Read charity, which helps educate girls around the world. To learn more, visit roomtoread.org.